1: Every team, every topic, everywhere this is believe. Vikings come out and play. Oh, wait a I see. Let me put some what are you with me now.
2: Up, it. Cousins throws pass
1: Now listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with Bmac and Baker.
3: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Believe in Vikings with Bmac and Baker. This is the first formal off-season edition of the show. The Vikings are not involved in the playoffs, so we are going to talk about the Vikings. Go figure. Just not in a playoff capacity. Tonight, uh, Tanishka from Minneapolis will join us. She writes for Vikings Nation and Vikings Territory, and she'll soon be writing for a nationally-themed website that I am launching called The Trend Zone. And Ron from Eden Prairie, who's also going to write for the Trend Zone. Uh, he's our one of our regular hosts. He joins us tonight. And also Super Bowl champion Bryant McKinney, who's bringing in the player aspect of all of this. Um, so we'll hop into that. But first, we're going to pay homage to our sponsor, who is betonline.ag. The Super Bowl is right around the corner if you are looking for a place to Put down a bet with all the sports going on, betonline.ag is the best and only place to lock it in. For instance, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are underdogs by three points, and I think it's nine that Tom Brady is an underdog pretty much anywhere, uh, so I, I'm i going to put some money on the Bucks. How about that? Um, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, betonline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. The Minnesota Vikings did not play on wildcard weekend, unlike last year when they up into the Saints. Uh, so we basically watched a lot of pretty decent football, six games worth um, this weekend. Um, and then on Monday night, we had a national championship on top of it all where Alabama ended up crushing the Ohio State Buckeyes. So My first question is to Tanishka. Um, Did the National Championship game change at all? How you feel about the Vikings' first round selection in the April's draft?
2: I mean, I've been on team trade down for a few days now, even before Monday just because there's a bunch of holes on the roster and um, Monday actually kind of solidified that that idea just because of Christian Barmore. Um, I feel like 14 for him, the defensive tackle. I feel like it's it's just a bit too high and we'd be reaching there a little bit. But if they could trade down and um, I don't know, maybe grab a second round pick or whatever offered that they get, um, and st- still somehow grab him like late first or early second, that would be ideal. And another player that kind of like stocks dropped a little, um, Wyatt Davis. I know he got hurt at the end of the game. I'm not quite sure what happened with that, but um, when he was playing I don't know. He he was good in the run game, but he was losing to Barmore more often than not in the passing game. And I mean, the Vikings like guys that run block well and can't pass block. So maybe they just grabbed him. But yeah, um, that's our
3: that's our M.O.
2: Yeah, but I I'm on team. Barmore not Bryant, right though. Now. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Bryant. Bryant was the total package. We should clarify. It. Recently, we draft yeah, these the run like, yikes. <laughs> yeah, and she's taking a shot at him. She meets the guy two minutes ago, and she was like, "Yeah, all these offensive linemen suck at pass blocking." Well, McKinney, I'm gonna guess, um perhaps you didn't, but did you watch the national championship?
1: I watched a little bit of it. Actually, AP was in town because he went. Um, um, so I watched a little bit of it because my nephew went to Alabama and I, I wanted them to be to Ohio state. Cause I just never still like Ohio state after <laughs> what happened to Miami. So, uh, yeah, I followed it a little bit.
3: Okay. Any dudes, I don't know, maybe you didn't pay it, uh, that close attention. Any dudes that you could foresee playing on the Vikings at the, the 15th
1: pick? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really pay that close attention because okay. I wasn't really following those schools throughout the season.
3: Okay. All right, cool. Well, in the coming months here, um, I presume you'll study up because we'll have draft shows just to figure out, mm. uh, you know, spitball who might be there. Ron, I know you always got your uh, finger in the mix. Uh, what did what did you think about in relation to the Vikings selection here in April, um, based on what you saw in national championship? Anything move for you? Did you feel anything different about any dudes? You
0: know, nothing really moved. The guys who st- who are supposed to stand out did. Uh, Devontae Smith, obviously. Um, Waddle probably shouldn't have been out there, but it um, shows a lot of heart that he was. Um, but for me, yeah, I'm all about the trenches one way or another. Um, I think they can shore that up regardless of who it is. You know, I trust Spielman and his team to be able to find the right fit. Um, but, you know, nothing, nothing swayed me one way or another on Monday. Admittedly, I didn't watch the whole thing. So,
3: Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I've admitted this several times on air. I am not a really big college football fan. Uh, I don't have anything against it, but I spend so much effort and I guess lack of family time on Sundays, watching football zoned in on that, that I don't think I could get away with a Saturday. And plus I love the NBA. So I watch every Los Angeles Lakers game. So I'm not a great college mind, but I do study my rear end off come draft time. Um, so you'll get a lot. I have a
1: question real quick. Sorry. Yeah. why, Why do you not like college? Why are you not into college?
3: Um, Like I said, it's not like uh, this product is crap thing, but from a young age, my stepdad got me into the NFL and it was always a complete footnote to watch college football. And then when I tried to get into it, when I saw that they were down when their knee touched, I was like, well, that's whack. And then just one foot down to reception, just the little nitpicky. like oh, okay cliche things that people have to say like I have absolutely no problem with the pro- uh, problem with the product and as I uh, grow grow in this role as a writer and a fan and then a podcast host I'm gonna have to watch more of it uh but mm-hmm. no it's it's nothing uh personal uh, I met it-
1: fans who are the opposite where they feel like oh feel yeah like, um, the players are more um in love with the game as a college as a college player and then it becomes business when they get to NFL so they don't really care for NFL so that's why I wanted to ask I never heard from that perspective of why you don't really like college yeah
3: i've uh i live in south dakota i've been here for eight years and i've met oodles of older men like that where they're all about nebraska corner right. of football and then all you know being this viking mind i'll try to pivot the conversation and they're like oh i don't follow that garbage and i'm like well excuse me, <laughs> excuse me? you know how is your product better but that's neither here right. nor there uh tanishka i gotta put you on the spot um I don't I don't think you foresaw this question coming, but it seemed like throughout the course of the season, based on your interaction, you were up and down on the head coach and the quarterback. Um, Did I get that wrong? And why were you up and down on them? Were you pissed about the first month of the season or what was the deal?
2: Well, for me, I was super up and down on Kirk. Mm -hmm. About Zimmer, I was mostly stable. I was like, okay, no, we're keeping him. But um, I think up until the bye week, I was just, I was done. I was like (laughs) off the train. I was like complete tank. Um, Obviously not the right choice, actually. So I'm glad that they didn't do that. But um, I was just tired of him (laughs) at that point. Um, And... But the thing, I don't know, it, they bounced back pretty well after that, the offense as a whole. Um, and obviously Zimmer, I'm no, I, I will fight anybody on that. He's not going <laughs> anywhere. Um, but just because I just don't think it's like fair to him this year anyway, with everything that he had to deal with um, uh, from injuries to like a billion rookies starting on defense. Um, and I, we're basically we re- rebuilt the defense this year maybe another draft or two but um i i just think that he deserves to see out that rebuild okay
3: i'm with you um i th- i've i've written about this that i think there is a two year window that this team has as constructed with kirk's contract dalvin cook's prime and zimmer's contract um but i be if for some reason injuries or not things go badly next year about month and a half two months into it I don't think Zimmer will be the coach. Uh, I do think this year was the exception like you do that. The injuries were too much to mm-hmm. overcome. Uh, so I agree uh, that he deser- emphatically deserves to see this thing out. Uh, Bryant said this about two months ago when we were in the middle, well, about three months ago now in the midst of that bad start, I started asking Bryant, do you think that he'll get canned Zimmer? That is. And uh, you know, Bryant, you said like, hasn't he only really had like one bad season? And I was like, well, yeah, this one. And then his rookie year when it felt Awesome to be seven and nine uh compared to where we were at. So
2: I mean uh, another thing, we mm-hmm. were around ninth, I I want to say. Um, it was like ranging from ninth to twelfth in DVOA until Kendricks got hurt on defense. So he was still doing a lot, even with nobody, but Kendricks, it was just that was it. It was just too much.
1: Yeah. I just didn't feel like um, Zimmer compiled enough uh, bad seasons to be like, "Hey, all right, time yeah. to part ways with him." So that was like, that was my thing. And then he had a lot of things, you know, against him this year. You know, how to deal with COVID and practicing, and then how you had different players who opted out not to play the season. You had injuries. You had a lot of different things that he had to kind of still, you know, fight on with with people he had.
3: I uh, I said this on a podcast that I jumped on last Sunday with the Viking Age, Adam Patrick, and I want to pound it home on this show. So the Vikings had a disappointing year, undoubtedly seven and nine, um, but. Good teams, like stable franchises that are good. Of course, we don't have a Super Bowl, but for the last six, seven years, we've been a good franchise. When good franchises have bad years, it's usually in that seven to nine or eight and eight range. So you can look at the Ravens, you can look at the Saints, the Patriots, the Chiefs. Uh, When those teams have crappy years, it's usually to the tune of seven to nine. That's because they are structurally built for uh injuries and malfeasance. Uh, so I want to pound that home that, You know, if you really want to switch things up at the coach or general manager or quarterback, fine and dandy. But then you better be prepared for some two and fourteen crap and some four and twelve garbage, because that's usually what happens when you you switch uh, the infrastructure of a team. Um, The next thing I want to jump into, and there's going to have a lot of different perspectives on this, because uh, Bryant, I think you know the man. Uh, Before the Lions game, we wanted to have Everson Griffin on the show to just you know take his pulse, see how he was doing. Uh, But then there was some strange activity on Twitter where he was jaw jacking with a bunch of people and not in a friendly ilk. And so I thought, well, I don't know. Maybe we better wait. And then at the end of the season, like, you know, minutes after week 17 wrapped up, it sounded like all of a sudden he wanted to play for the Vikings again. So I talked to Ron and McKinney here and thought, hey, let's try to get him on and really see if this is real. And then he started tweeting strange things again about the Vikings. Uh, So I don't know if uh, it's the right time to have him on. Uh, I think we will be able to have him on when the the air is cleared. Uh, I'm not sure what he's up to at this moment, if he actually went to rehabilitation for something. Uh, But we love Everson Griffin, and we want to get him on the show. So I do want to talk about uh, the recent up-and-down antics. as peculiar as they may be, Uh, Ron, what is your thought? If indeed there is a kumbaya that is had, um, do you, would you welcome Griffin back on the 2020 Vikings, not necessarily 2021 Vikings, not necessarily as a cure, but as a locker room, dude, as a dude that we know can rush the quarterback, what say you? Absolutely.
0: Um, one in Zimmer's defense, um, the rotation is always a big on the D line. So getting like as evidence of the Saints playoff game last year, him and Hunter played on the inside. Um, so he's got that flexibility. Obviously, he's a leader. I go back to that. Bill's game a few years ago in that Josh Allen's rookie year when he had his um, emotional duress, whatever that situation was, the The team clearly missed him on that next day on the Sunday um, and that Ultimately, cost us a playoff berth because we got our asses kicked. Um, but uh, he clearly means a lot to the team on the defensive end, and getting everyone um, just is the emotional leader. Um, but. Again, back to the having depth at the D line um, with DJ Wanham and obviously Adenable. Um, they have talent out there, um, but if they have that guy who you mix in 30 to 40% of the snaps, um, it keeps everyone fresh. And he obviously has the ability still, you know, he would have led the Vikings in sacks. So, um, you know, <laughs> um, I think Ngakwe still led our team in sacks and he only played, what, five, six games. So that's tells the state right there. So, um, you know, if it's something. Whether or not it's the nostalgia factor, like I don't think he's past the, the point of uh, um, being productive in the NFL. Um, so I'd, more than, I'd be more than happy to have him
1: back. All right, that's an excellent take. Brian, but I'm was, I will say this. Um, the What's point that opinion? you made about him being an emotional leader. Remember early in the season, I kept saying, well, who is the leader? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you right. definitely need that because you need that person. People can feed off their energy at times. And I said, like, when I got to Baltimore, it was Ray Lewis. When I was in Minnesota, you had Brett Favre. You had Randy Moss. You had, like, different guys who, who you stood out. You could tell who the leaders were. But when I was watching this team early in the season, I was like, well, I don't know who the leader is. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So by him saying unless you know you need somebody like that in
0: the locker room. <clears throat> Especially you know. when like Barr got hurt. Like Barr's another one who mm-hmm. he might not be vocal like Everson, but you can tell that he leads by example and you know, probably mm-hmm. in the locker room can get the best out of those players. And yeah, because they were so young, it's you know, Harrison is a great player, but he's never been that vocal leader, um, or so mm-hmm. it seems. He just kind of leads by example. So there's always room for that type of fiery personality. Obviously that your '09 team, <laughs> Bryant had personality everywhere with uh, yeah, Pat Williams, Jared lot. Allen, yeah. Winfield. So uh, <laughs> you guys weren't yeah. lacking that at all. So, um, but it's a different. I mean, obviously Zimmer's personality enough for the team, but uh, they do need, I think, someone on the um, on the, the field to be able to. Yeah,
3: they to- they assuredly do. And as soon as Bryant said that, um, you know, he said it a couple times on our shows. Uh, But when things started to get better for a month, it was Dalvin cook who stepped up on offense Mm -hmm. and basically said, jump on these shoulders and let's do this. And for about two weeks, he was an MVP candidate because he led the league in rushing and scoring every, every damn week. So uh, I want to point out that we do have those dudes who are capable of the leadership. Uh, We probably just need a bona fide one on defense. um, And that could be Everson again, or that could be in a reduced role. But um, as much as you can say, Bryant, um do you do you know anything about Everson like is this something we should be spooked by or is this just something that he can probably get worked out with a little counseling or would you care not to come? I
1: probably feel like counseling I remember he had a little episode when he first came there before okay when I um like his rookie year and it's probably just some counseling that he'll get passed or whatever okay and he'll be back and and you know ready to be under control
3: Sure. Uh, Tanishka, would you welcome Everson back with open arms? Like with, uh, if he, if he makes nice,
2: yes, hundred percent, just like everybody else is saying his energy was just different. Um, he like would get you ready to run through a brick wall. And, um, I feel like the comments that he made about Kirk last week, I, I don't know if that burned the bridges because that, yeah. Um, If they can get that sorted out, then uh, that would be wonderful, because Zim said last week that he wanted more pass rushers, and Everson would literally be perfect, even if we draft an edge round one or round two, and just just stock up on pass rushers. And yeah, we need a defensive leader, because Anthony Harris did it for a little bit toward the end of the season, but Everson's energy is just, it's unmatched.
3: Yeah, on pass rusher or Zimmer's desire for more pass rushers, even if we, like you said, um draft the draft the Rousseau dude we have one creeping on a come up and then a still on the team, and then you add in Efferson. that's not gonna hurt because we saw the value of quality reservist players because we didn't really have a lot of them. We thought they would be I thought they'd be serviceable in a Zimmer defense but you can only cut so many corners um, at every position before you end up, boom, you're the 27th ranked defense in the league come season's end. So I don't think there would be any qualms with having, uh, especially on you know cheap deals, these young rookie deals, uh, with having too much uh, pass rush capability. Um, the last thing I want to point out on this topic, and this is a personal note, it's probably the most personal I'll ever get. Um, I am a recovered alcoholic. Uh, I spent ages 19 through 28 as a full-blown alcoholic to the point where I drank to blackout every single night. And the reason I bring this up is uh, I don't know if Everson Griffin is an alcoholic. He probably isn't. Um, But in terms of the bizarre things that are coming out of his fingertips onto his phone, I lived that um, when I would get drunk every single night and wake up, even if I was just sitting in my house, you know, watching football or watching a movie, I would wake up and try to figure out what the hell I did the night before. And I would have to go through text messages and I didn't use Twitter then, um, but I would have to piece through a piece back together things I did the night before, even if I was just sitting at home. Uh, So I think there's parallels here, whether it's an addiction or whether it's a mental illness, because with alcoholism uh, that's both. Uh, So I'm a testament that people can change and uh, several of my acquaintances now are recovered alcoholics. And if that is indeed something close to what Griffin is, uh, then we do indeed wish him the best and treatment and or, you know, working a program uh, can certainly work. So that's my little, not
0: to like, you know, obviously I just hope that he's well and that Mm -hmm. he can get everything figured out. You know, being a football player in the CTE that's out there, um, you know, you always, Worry about stuff like that when you see kind of that switch that's being made when there's a difference from being a fiery personality on the field and then obviously having issues off the field so first and foremost I hope he's okay and I hope he can get everything or the help he needs Um, but um, yeah just looking at the Twitter feed and kind of seeing what uh, what is transpired the last week clearly. Um, something's off kilter. Um, and again, just hopefully, you know, his family his support system. I know he still lives here in Minnesota and um, yeah. you know, the friends on the, that are still on the team. Um, hopefully he can surround himself with the people who uh, can kind of get him the help that he needs.
3: I, I am with you. Um, and I think as a football uh, talking point, again, Tanishka is exactly right. That if he doesn't come back, it might've been the Kirk cousins tweet that did him in uh, because uh the implication, the oral sex implication of that uh was probably not something that can be erased from history. I'm sure Kirk would forgive and forget, uh, but it was particularly vile um if you hold athletes to a particular standard. So what I'm gonna yeah. say
1: is too, um um some things when people have outlashes, things like that, it's signed a mental health um issues as well. So I feel mm-hmm. like um people should also take that in consideration too. Yeah. Um sure that it could be some form of mental health issues. That's part of my mission statement for my foundation oh, is because i had to deal with some athletes um, personally after they retired because they were going through different mental um, situations and they don't want to they don't want to talk to family. They want to talk to other athletes because they, they feel like they relate to them.
3: Okay. Right. Yeah. That sounds uh, um, like for me personally, Alcoholics Anonymous, um, really mm-hmm. any, any recovery, any group or any, any person that has embraced recovery is, they get it. Um, And most of my friends in uh, real life are recovered alcoholics now because I know how they think. And I enjoy that. And it has nothing to do with alcohol. Um, Just as I replace alcohol with constructive habits like writing, surprise, surprise, there's a reason why I write so much is because I have the same trigger in my brain that makes me want to, you know, drink alcohol and be drunk all the time, I get the same type of thrill to being productive now. And that's, you know, writing like a madman. Uh, So it's a very bizarre thing. I I wouldn't endorse that, so to speak. But if you are an alcoholic and you're looking to recover, it's usually worthwhile to get obsessed with something different that is practical and healthy uh, because it'll take your mind off it. Um, And then before you know it, uh, you won't even miss drink. uh, But Let's get back to football. Uh, I hope I'm not boring you guys out there. Another bit of news that came up was offensive coordinator. We got a mini bombshell that Gary Kubiak may not be uh, coming back to the Vikings because he's once again repond- uh, not, once again pondering retirement. Uh, he retired one year after the Broncos won the Super Bowl and flew under the radar until he surfaced again with the Vikings in 2019. Uh, so, Tanishka, who will be the offensive coordinator for your Vikings in 2021?
2: I want to stay Clint Kubiak. I was kind of against this at first, um like the day they talked about Kubiak possibly retiring, but they just haven't had offensive coordinator continuity ever under Zimmer, I don't think. and um Clint Kubiak is probably the closest you can get to that just because the scheme would be the same and it's just promoting the quarterbacks coach and um, Maybe I don't know, maybe he's even more creative than Gary was just because he's a younger mind as well. Um, <laughs> but I think getting more like brains in the house would be great. Like the 49ers run game coordinator. Um he would be an interesting choice, but mostly I don't know, I'd say like stick in-house and try to keep continuity because we saw what this offense was doing. Uh, the end of the year. And if they can start out that way, because they always seem to start slow. Um, if they can start fast, it would really help.
3: A couple things on Clint Kubiak, the son, he was with the Vikings in 2013 and 2014. So if he does land this gig, it's not hundred percent nepotism. He was introduced to the Vikings uh, before Gary was at least formally. And then he's been the quarterback coach for the last two years with Kirk Cousins. So in a natural progression of how this usually works, uh, somewhere Clint should probably get an audition to be an offensive coordinator. Um, and it's not just because he's in house here. Should he get promoted? Uh, that's normally how this works is you work your way up through the coaching ranks. And if you happen to have a dad or an uncle, then you're fast tracked and voila, he's got the QBI last name. Uh, Bryant, you've talked about once or twice on our show about continuity at the offensive coordinator position. I think he talked about it a week or two ago. That's a big deal, isn't it? Um, it
1: definitely is. And, uh, I just feel like the team the team is doing good. I feel like they should probably keep him and um, allow him to grow even more um, next season. One of the QBX, Just in one of them? One of them. I feel like they're
3: very yeah, funny. we're not we're not sure if Gary is going to follow through with this retirement. It was it was leaked to the media for some reason. So there is smoke with that fire. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if uh, uh, Zimmer can talk him off the the hill again here and have him return. Uh, but we shall see that decision should come within the next week, week and a half, because they usually don't let this drag out into February, unless they're waiting on like a John Filippo who was playing in the Super Bowl the, One of the last times that we made a, a hit. what about you, Ron? Who do you want to be the coordinator? Offense coordinator. Did you tell us last week in Kubiak? Um, I think I was undecided
0: last week, like between Kubiak and then, um, obviously, um, uh, why well, can't I think of his name? Um, Yeah, Anthony Lynn. Um, -hmm. but, um, yeah, like Tanishka said, like I'm all about continuity. Um, and, uh, creativity would be an added bonus. I think that you could get with Kubiak. So, um, you know, rather than every second and one run for it, maybe throw in some deep passes and go for it in third and one if you need to, but, uh, (laughs) um, you know, obviously Gary Kubiak, his scheme works. And the zone running scheme is built for Dalvin and built for the offensive line that we have. So if we can keep that going, keep the play action passing um, as part of the arsenal, um, you know, again, continuity is going to be probably the major theme all off season, but uh, um, I'm a hundred percent on board
1: with that. Okay.
3: Tanishka um, we're in the time of year, maybe a little early where, whether it is a so free agency doesn't start till March, but at any moment we could have a report. so and so has been released, or so and so has been traded. I want to say uh, Alex Smith was <coughs> traded to the Washington football team really early in the 2018 off season. So uh, we're not immune right now to breaking news, um, whether it's the Vikings or anybody., uh, so there will be changes, just like any off season uh, to the Vikings. And I want to, Get your prediction, is what's the, f- the first major bit of news that drops for Minnesota this offseason? Will it be a trade? Or will it be a release of a player? Uh what do you have for a prognostication there?
2: I feel like it'll be a couple releases or restructures. Um, I think last year they started off by uh, getting rid of Rhodes and Joseph. Um, and I feel like it'll be something close to that, maybe a Rudolph uh release or uh restructuring bar um some stuff along that line i don't i really hope they don't release bar i don't think they will but um i feel like if i had to like predict one thing i feel like it's going to be a rudolph release just because of how um even when uh irv smith was hurt conklin stepped up really well and um irv smith is really darn good as well so you have both of them and then just or maybe even a restructure for Rudolph, but I feel like it'll be something with Rudolph first, just to clear some money up because of you have two younger tight ends who are really good as well. So they don't really need to be paying him all of that. And I think they're (laughs) over by around five to 6 million as of now.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Assuredly something will happen with Kyle Rudolph. I mean, there's no way around it. He's the fifth uh, highest paid tight end in the world. And God, the last time I checked, which was like when he was still playing and not injured he was 28th in targets for a tight end so he will be released or he will be asked to restructure there's not about no doubt about that Bryant um so most of the teams you played on ended up going to the playoffs um at least but what time of year do players really start to, you know, talk to their agent or realize that, hey, this team's going to approach me to restructure or, or, oh boy, I might get traded. When does that
1: set in? Is that in January or is that way back in December? Um, sometimes your agent is the one who tells you, like, <laughs> somehow they find it, find out their information. Um, about restructuring and everything, you can kind of find out sometime in December, like, uh, you know, play really hard this last month or, you know I me. Mean? So it could be December or sometime in January. A lot of guys normally would know and they normally try to, put good film out there, you know okay. what I mean? In case other teams come after them.
3: <clears throat> okay. So they can, they are started to be notified by their agent or they just kind of feel it that if they're in the last year, the contract. Yeah. That...
1: yeah they, you can sense it too, because okay. a lot of times if you're in the last year, like I remember even when I did my contract, they did my, early, I had one more season. They just did it like a little early. Yeah. So if they make you play it out, they're really trying to see, like really okay. evaluate you. So you have to put together some good film okay um because that's basically your resume so even if they don't other teams will be able to see that
0: now following up on that like is now I know, I know you had a similar case with when your tenure here ended, where they asked for a pay cut or whatever. Like, how is that as a, on the, from the player standpoint? How is that perceived? Like when they ask for something like that, because obviously <laughs> We do a lot of it. They can, yeah, and like you see, like it's all about the guaranteed money. It's not about the contract. So, right. Like I, I have to imagine that's a little awkward,
1: but also like you know, with you're me, they a proud try person. To, like, restructure and give me like a lot more incentives, and then also we're looking at it like. But this is an opportunity for me to get a first start and go somewhere else. So, that was always in my mind. So my story was very funny because they even called my mom on me, like as if. Did you she hear was this, made me Change my mind. But what's funny is she was on a cruise, so they couldn't get in touch with her. <laughs> did you listen? So, did you listen to that episode way back when,
3: Ron? I did. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, okay.
1: Yeah. So, uh, with me, I just looked at it as an opportunity to kind of like um, get a fresh start because I'd been there my whole career. Well, it was and, a wise decision. I always wanted to try to go somewhere else to get a fresh start. So that was the opportunity. And that's what I needed to take advantage of. it. Now also, how is that like,
0: say from a player standpoint and knowing like, obviously you get like whatever, it's like the normal world, you don't talk finances with another man. Like, you know, it, it is what it is. But mm. you guys are in a business where your salaries are out there. Everyone knows about it. Like whether it's mm. on a video game or, you know, it's uh, it's reported in the news. So is there ever anything like, well, why are you coming to me when, you know, and granted Hutchinson, obviously, in that f- big contract he had, you know, he's a potential feature all day
1: No, around. I really wasn't thinking about anybody else's contract. I was really trying to think about what would be the best decision for me and what I was trying to accomplish. So that's really when I was, that was my whole thought. Okay. But you are aware of how much dudes make. Yeah, you're aware of how much dudes make, but I don't think when it came to them talking to me, I I personally wasn't thinking about anybody else they should have went to or anything. I just was just thinking about, like, what decision am I trying to, like, what am I trying to get out of this? You know what okay. I'm saying? I wanted to try to get a fresh start. Um,
3: Ron, you talked about, it, is it you know, asking if it's awkward uh when you approach a man and say, Hey, we need you to play for less money. If that is indeed true, if there is an awkward sense about it, then Spielman must be the king of awkward. Uh, because it seems like we're well, we, used to it. <laughs> we go to this 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 not it's not a fountain of youth, but it's like a financial fountain of youth where every year we get lucky where some show stopping player restructures and i don't follow other teams anywhere near as close as i follow the vikings but it doesn't seem that other teams get away with it that much um i I think some players
1: sorry i think some players restructure because they're so comfortable where they're at you know what i mean and and i feel like to leave a team and go somewhere else where you've never been it takes a little bit of you being okay with being uncomfortable you know what i'm saying sure so and Go ahead. I feel like that plays a part. So I feel like that plays a part in some people saying, you know, okay, I'm I'm okay because I've been here all this time. I'm okay with staying here and restructuring my contract and, you know, moving forward. But I mean that also depends on what that player is actually trying to get out yeah. of their career. And I wanted the opportunity, I feel like we got very close in oh nine. I wanted the opportunity to get to a Super Bowl eventually. And it seems like, well, Rob Brzezinski mm-hmm. and like whatever
0: he's doing behind the scenes, it seems like there's always ways to word the contract where whether it's a workout bonus or something else where they find a way to get the money where it's not a- right. against the cap. And it seems, is that something that is just being more and more creative as time goes on? Or did that happen kind of back in your early years as
1: well? Yeah, I, I had workout bonuses. I had weight clauses. I had different things too that, um, would help, you know, give me incentives and I just had to do certain things to get these bonuses. So, yeah, they were doing that already, I know, during my time as well, which is creative. I think, um,
3: I think there's tons of creative ways that we don't know about. I'll give you a, a basketball example. Sure. Last year, the Lakers were hamstrung by Kawhi Leonard because he held out on them they thought they would be able to sign him and i didn't want some you know star studded super team of all Kawhi, lebron and anthony davis but he held he held the cards close to his chest and then the last moment so to speak signed with the clippers which led general manager uh, rob Polinka with the lakers like minutes to throw together a roster for these lakers would ultimately won the championship but it was nowhere near the vision that the lakers general manager had and in doing that um, they had to pinch pennies um, to, you know, between LeBron and Anthony Davis to get a roster put together. And then they went to Anthony Davis, who had no earthly, desire or no way that he should have taken a pay cut in his first year but i think it was because he played in los angeles that somehow they're like oh yeah we'll give you a a commercial deal behind the scenes here and make up space jam money yeah yeah there's no (laughs) way anthony davis should have taken a five million dollar pay cut for last year i mean he's in the prime of his career he's in money making mode uh so i think there are creative ways to get around it uh tanishka i gotta talk to you all right, here we go. Would you be satisfied with a co-offensive rookie of the year with the Justins, Herbert and Jefferson?
2: No. No.
3: <laughs> All right, tell me tell me why.
2: Um, I just think that Jefferson deserves it more. I mean, I'm just as unbiased as I can be. It's like Herbert, he's broken records and stuff this year and he's had a really really good rookie year. Um, but his records will probably be broken next year and they were broken like baker i think two years ago three years ago um and then there's jefferson who broke a record that hadn't been broken in 18 years and people have come to me and say that oh well they just ever it's just nfl is more pass happy now and that's true but the vikings aren't as pass happy as most teams are like not even close so um the fact that he was able to to do that even um, on a team built as Minnesota is makes it even more impressive. And um, I mean, I guess I wouldn't be mad if it was co rookie of the year is better than Jefferson not winning because if he just doesn't win at all, I will be really mad. Um, But I still think he just deserves it more just because he was better at his position than Herbert was at his Okay.
3: I want to pound home uh, for listeners that we have this mentality. I even when I first started thinking that, hey, Jefferson could win this thing. We have this mindset that says like, well, quarterbacks usually get it. That's false. Quarterbacks usually get the MVP award, um except except for Adrian Peterson, the last non-quarterback to get it. And yes, we're going to call that out on the Vikings show. Um <laughs> but the the last offensive rookie of the years are Kyler Murray, quarterback, Saquon Barkley, running back, Alvin Kamara, running back, Dak Prescott, quarterback, Todd Gurley, running back, Odell Beckham, wide receiver, and Eddie Lacy somehow um as a running back. So it's actually more skewed towards skill players. Um, we just tend to think that because it's an award, it usually goes to the quarterbacks, and that's not true at all. Uh, so he, uh, Jefferson certainly has a chance to win the thing, and I don't even know if it's an option to do a co-rookie of the year. I don't think they've done a co-split for anything since uh, – Uh, Peyton Manning and Steve McNair split the MVP in like 2003 or something like that. Uh, But I wanted to get your temperature on that because if the, you know, proverbial, if there ever was a time to split it um, based on the accolades, it might be this year if they tend to skew it towards the quarterback. Uh, McKinney, who do you got for offensive rookie of the year? You think it goes to Jefferson
1: or Herbert? I'd definitely say Jefferson. I mean, look, he's broken records and everything like I'd definitely give it to Jefferson.
3: Okay. Ron, are you on the Jefferson uh, prediction train? I am. And, uh, you know, it's again,
0: trying to remove any, uh, homerism that I have from the <laughs> subject, but, um, like Tanisha said, it's the, the records get broken by a quarterback every year. Um, it is a pass happy league, obviously that benefits the quarterback. So, um, not taking anything away from Herbert and what he did because he, you know, obviously was fantastic and he didn't even start all 16 games. Um, well, neither did Jefferson to a, to an extent, but, uh, um, yeah, like Anquan Bolden's record that, um, I think it was Bolden that had it for whatever. Oh, one, um, um yeah 18 19 year record that's out there um that's impressive and then to be in the top 5 at a position um well, i guess top 4 cuz Kelsey is a tight end but uh to be near the top um in receiving yards and uh uh in a run happy team um i think that says um that speaks significant volume so um, i mean if Jeff, if Jefferson doesn't get it. Maybe, you know, he'll come back with a chip on his shoulder um, as a lot of these kids seem to have. But, uh, um, you know, if Herbert gets it, you know, it's he had a great year as well. But maybe they should take a page from like the MVP and offensive player and kind of do that with the rookie of the year where you get the rookie of the year, but then also add rookie offensive player whatever find a way to give more give more sponsored bits out there yeah
3: and we are as vikings uh, fans we are extraordinarily blessed in this department um we've got randy moss Adrian Peterson, Percy Harvin, and now probably, hopefully, Justin Jefferson. So I hope there's there's people around the country, hopefully in Wisconsin, that they look around and say, why is it always these offensive rookies for the Vikings that do this? I hope that people do that, because at least we can hang our hat on that. Uh, Ron, you had a question for Bryant. you want to jump in with that? Yep. Uh, so, Bryant, you know,
0: being on the heels of the college football season with the national championship having just taken place, um, obviously you – went from the national champion um, or being the national champion into the NFL draft. Tell me like what that process is like wrapping up your, your last year in college um, with, you know, the ultimate goal and then now transitioning right into all the pre-draft process combine comes up shortly. And then the draft, everything, tell me your experience and what that's like.
1: Um, I just felt like it was like starting all over again and being a freshman again. Um, Like you went to like be a senior. Now you're going back to being a freshman again. And kind of being back in the space of being uncomfortable again because now you're going to a city you're not familiar with. Now you meet a bunch of people you don't know. So it's almost like transferring to a new school kind of. Like, you know what I mean?
0: But But do um, you even get a chance to enjoy that championship? Like, right, you know.
1: Oh, you definitely do. You get a chance to enjoy it. (laughs) But then, you know, it's time to get back to work after, you know, a couple of days. But you do get a chance to enjoy it for a couple of days. And um, it's time to get back to work. And then it's like, I feel like because you won that championship, it's like a lot more expectations too um, on you just because you won the national championship. And even when you get to the league, because and, and you came from that school, people assume that you know how to be a professional already. So it, I feel like it comes with a lot too. And
0: And then as a follow-up to that, so being that you've won, at the college level and at the professional level. Um if you if there was only one that you could choose, say you had to go back and eliminate one from history, but you gotta keep one, <laughs> which one would that be? Your college or the Super Bowl?
3: Oh my God! It was like eliminating a kid, man. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. Like. <laughs> well,
0: because from I, granted, I've never played sports at a high level, but it, I would think of it as that college is the one that would probably mean more because you know you choose your college, you have that camaraderie with all your teammates that you kind of grow up with. Whereas in the pros, now like you alluded to earlier, now it's a job, now it's your profession. But so. in the
1: pros too, like while you're in college, your ultimate goal is to get to that point and right. win a Super Bowl too. You know what I mean? Because that's like the highest achievement. So,
0: was that the game that Shockey ate grass after? After was that the game that Shocky ate grass after? He might Against- have,
3: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have
1: enough with him,
3: some damn thing. <laughs> All right, so when uh, when Brian and I were kind of shaking down how this offseason would go with podcasts. Uh, I joke, I'm not even jokingly. I I, I got to thinking like, oh, well, we have enough topics in a regular week to fill up a, a show. And I think the answer to that is yes. If this first off season week is an indication, then I'm coming to you with this Tanishka. Um, what is the most you would give up for Deshaun Watson? Um, if he was actually in play for a trade to the Vikings, because uh, Watson has announced that he is all but finished with the Houston Texans because they don't listen to him. They're not interviewing the coaches that he wants. And, he is the top four top five If Josh Allen has supplanted him quarterback in the business. And that's probably about five to six spots better than our quarterback, Kirk cousins. Um, If indeed you would want him on the Vikings, what is the most that you would give up for his services?
2: I feel like whoever trades for him is actually just going to end up crippling themselves for a few years. He's really darn good, but it's going to take a lot. I feel like the most that I would give up would probably be definitely Kirk, um, Hunter and a first and a second, probably together. I don't even know if that would do it
3: altogether.
0: Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. I, I don't even you know if Hunter in it.
0: anything. That's a, that's a pretty like <laughs> Hunter's got some value in that. So,
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I just feel like they would need a player of his caliber or just a really good player or it'd be like three first round picks. And at that point, that's you're mortgaging your entire future for a really good quarterback, but you can win it all with Kirk. So I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, even though it'd be super fun and I love the jersey swaps and everything. But um I feel like it's just better to build your team just the way it is, because I don't even think he's gonna get traded, but whoever trades for him. If he does, it's going to be multiple firsts or it's going to be a player like Hunter or Khalil Mack. If the bears decide to go all in
3: what I don't quite like, I would love for him to play for the Vikings. I wouldn't quite get up that ransom um, with Hunter cousins and you know draft picks. Uh, obviously cousins would have to be part of that for the money to work out. Um, but I, I don't think I would part way with that much if indeed this was real. But the thing that I don't quite get is with Watson. He is incredible. Nobody that I know uh, we'll dispute that. But if we believe that this is such a quarterback centric league, then why hasn't he done a little bit more? I know he's only been in the league since 2017, but if indeed a quarterback can pull his team up by proverbial bootstraps, how is it going to be different with the Vikings? Do we think that he has, I guess, more offensive weapons, and then we'll just have an average defense because we won't have Hunter. Um, I just don't quite get how he is the the missing link. Um, so in that regard, I support uh, Tanishka's position where we probably better just to build on what we have, unless we got some sweet deal uh, for Watson, which I don't think is is a tangible reality. Um, McKinney- well, to be fair to yep. Watson, um, you know, when he came
0: in, obviously, like, you know, before this year, he made the playoffs prior to, and two years ago, J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless both missed significant time. So he did kind of elevate them um, and play well. And it's hard, like, to to Look at this season and what Bill O'Brien and kind of that torpedo that he took to that team, um, and to blame anything on Watson in that sense. Um, you know, they yes, they mortgage their future and everything, and then kind of touching on Tanisha's point with uh, mortgaging the future. I have no problem with trading first round picks because, in theory first round picks the value is perceived higher than it is it is like, you have to put a name to it like so go back to when the vikings traded moss like which was the worst day of my vikings fandom to that <laughs> point um because moss is the reason why i love football and we get sure we get the number seven pick and then napoleon harris but that seven pick turned into troy williamson yeah. so when you put a name to those picks give it, getting rid of three first round picks might not be so bad because uh well one like we do a lot of good damage in the second to fourth rounds anyways yeah. so um while for me it'd be more of the the 50 million dollar damn near close to that cap hit that would be the problem people are complaining about cousins cap hit so now if you get you know tack on another 15 million to that that's where you're going to hamstring the team in my opinion
3: yeah if if you if a general manager took his hubris and set it aside and bartered with first round picks then it you then you would see a lot of first round picks going for established players because there's the sexiness of a first round pick um, before it ever materializes, because you think that you're the general manager. That's really going to nail it. And more, Half the time, less than half the time, you don't. Um, so and then you have the outliers where we strike goal with Jefferson, and it looks like an absolutely brilliant transaction for both teams. Uh, but it's just that that zeal, uh, that uh, allure for a general manager to think, God, but with these first round picks, I mean, you saw it today when James Harden was traded, the Rockets got uh, a humongous haul, and they got, by the way, Victor Oladipo, who's a better defender times like 900 than James Harden. <laughs> So now all of a sudden the uh, the Rockets went from being this aimless franchise without any future picks because they've already squandered some of those with Russell Westbrook and whatnot that um now all of a sudden they have a bright future because they just got three first round picks and five swaps or whatever damn thing it was. Um McKinney, how much would you how much of the farm would you sell for a quarterback like Watson?
1: Um I would give him I would give him a decent deal. I feel like he still has a lot of gas in the tank. And would, um, would
3: you get rid of a lot of the Vikings
1: core and draft picks to do it? A lot. I don't know if I would get rid of a lot of them. Though. You know what I'm saying? Like, Okay,
3: fair enough. Yeah. All right, the last thing I want to get to before we hop off is some playoff predictions. Um, It's an apropos topic. So, Tanishka, let's start with you. Uh, Baltimore and Buffalo, um, who wins it and how close is it?
2: I'm going to say Baltimore just because Buffalo can't run the ball and they can't stop the run. And it's probably going to snow pretty bad um, during the game Sunday or Saturday night. So I feel like um, Baltimore has the edge there.
3: Okay. Uh, Ron, Baltimore, Buffalo, you?
0: Um, I think Buffalo as well or I'm sorry, Baltimore as well, just for those same reasons the, the running game and then the inability to stop the run for uh Buffalo, I think is gonna um
3: you know, be a pretty pretty significant uh, factor. Okay. McKinney, are you going with your squad? You already
1: know.
0: Might
1: be a uh, while. <laughs> I mean I can I can kind of see it being a, Eventually a rematch between Baltimore, and Kansas City, and AFC.
3: Yeah, that would be sweet, uh, especially the you know the quarterback, uh, the marquee for that. Um right. While we're on that topic, Tanisha, Kansas City and Cleveland. Actually, hold on, I, I'm predicting Buffalo down to the wire. It'll be the best game mm-hmm. of the weekend. I'm taking Buffalo. Tanisha, Chiefs, Browns.
2: I got to go with the Chiefs. I can't bet against Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. I just think they're just too good. Although I feel like it'll be the closest game of the weekend. I feel like uh, really? Cleveland okay. will really come to play. Even just like the Chase Claypool comments use that as motivation this week.
3: Yeah. All right. We're going to differ there, but I'll get to that in a second. Uh, McKinney, let's do you. Browns, Chiefs. I'm
1: definitely. Gonna, I'm glad that the Browns have won their first playoff game since <laughs> – Whenever, but, um, I'm definitely going to go with Kansas city. Uh, and I feel like Kansas city is going to come. They're not going to sleep on the Browns. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I feel like that their focus, they've been here before. And I feel like they'll see, um, Baltimore eventually.
3: Ron Brown's chiefs.
0: I think the chiefs, um, I just think they're too much for Cleveland. Um, while I would love it if, uh, you know, if you go back what five years or so when, uh, um oklahoma and texas tech played Mahomes the homes versus mayfield and yeah. it was something like 1400 pa- or well probably like 12 at least 1200 passing yards between the two and it was just a absolute shootout but uh um i don't think you're going to see that because i think both defenses are like have significant pieces on it miles garrett on the browns can cause havoc and then obviously uh matthew at the back end um could capitalize on some mistakes so that mayfield is uh can be prone to make but uh i just don't see any anyone in the afc right now do, or anyone in the league derailing <laughs> patrick mahomes and the chiefs so
3: okay. i am go uh, this i don't know if this is bold or not but i'm going to take the chiefs to absolutely crush the browns um i think there's a lot of uh noise that the chiefs sort of have limped through december uh, i think that was somewhat strate- strategic uh i think that this thing will be you know unholy like 45 to 10 or something like that so that's what i got all right second to last one tanishka rams and packers
2: rams (laughs) i think they match up super i mean i'm yeah i'm biased a bit but i'm just gonna say they match up super well with green bay just because they can run really well um cam Akers and then uh jalen ramsey uh and then just their Rams secondary. The Rams defense as a whole is just super underrated. So hopefully Aaron Donald's good to go. I, I don't think he misses the game, but um I think that their defense matches up super well with Green Bay. So um I got the Rams in a really close one. Okay.
3: Ron, what do you got for Packers Rams? So I agree that they match up really
0: well. Donald getting a push up front is gonna make it uncomfortable for Rogers, assuming he's healthy. Um and uh in ramsey on adams that's going to be a you know tune in tv so um i just don't think offensively they have enough um jared goff with it that finger the thumb um, that can be problematic and you know this walford kid while it's a great story it's uh i mean it's not going to work in lambo in, in the playoffs so um and you know in the playing my uh um, the NFL's rigged card which i don't believe but uh the, N- the NFL especially state farm they want a mahomes rodgers um they want to they want to pump out a bunch more of those commercials and uh back tiari's not playing so the holds might not be as evident uh, as they are every <laughs> single time but uh, um or the false starts but uh you know who knows what's going to happen i just think the packers are
3: a significantly better team than the Rams. Okay. B-Mac. As much as it pains me to say that. Oh, I'm with you. Uh, B Mac. What do you got, Packers? I do
1: that? think it's going to be a close game, and I wasn't sure because I feel like in the quarterback position that um, Aaron Rodgers could possibly lead them, you know, to a victory in late in the fourth quarter. Um, it does depend on how much you know, pressure he's, you know, under, you know, from the D line, but I could kind of see overall that he can he can get his team there. I don't think that
3: the Rogers personally, or the broadcasters that gush over him can survive a first round exit. So to speak <coughs> first game exit of uh, the Packers this time. And I, I do think they will find a way in this game uh, basically because of what Ron said, like, you know, come on really Wolford versus Rogers. Let's be serious. So I take the Packers by 14. All right. The last one on the docket, Tanishka, the saints and the Buccaneers in what looks like could be, yeah, best or second best game on the docket, depending on how you evaluate the matchup.
2: Um, I got the bucks. I just think that it's super hard to beat a team three times in a year. And um, yeah, just based off of that, I feel like the saints, they pulled, they pulled ahead at the end against the bears, but it was honestly pretty close on the first half. So if that receiver rims just doesn't drop a pass, I, I don't know that kind of stuff is momentum shifting. So I feel like the bucks win it easily. Okay.
3: Ron, what do you got for saints Buccaneers in the battle of old men? Uh,
0: I don't see it being easily, but I see the bucks winning. Um, I think Brady um, is out to prove um, that he can do it without Belichick. Um, I think that's um, the what he's going to hang his hat on. Um, and also I think Sean Payton likes to outsmart himself sometimes, um, <laughs> you know, as evidence, you know, putting in Taysom Hill and then an interception happens. And uh, um, you know, he's, always seems to do it one too many times and it, get, it ends up biting him in the ass so um as much as i hate the saints too i'd love for it to happen um but uh i think tampa um that game against the lions when they kind of in week 16 when they kind of went out and showed all their cards i don't know if if they were just doing it to put out film of like, Hey, well, this is what we can do. So you got to now stop it. But you're, I saw a stat today, Tom Brady, like in targeting single coverage is top in yards, attempts, like everything. So he's going to find those matchups. Um, yes. Um, Lattimore's nice and Jenkins, like they're solid, but there's too many weapons on that Buccaneers offense. And uh, I think
1: they'll get it done. Okay. B Mac, uh, Bucks, Saints. Mm, the only thing is with the Bucks, I'm not sure about their defense. Um, I think it'll be a good game. it definitely come down to the fourth quarter and who has the ball last. Um, I just really don't know which way I want to go in this game. Yeah, um, it's tricky. Yeah.
3: Are you going to be non-committal? Yeah.
1: Are there fans yeah.
3: in New Orleans?
0: Uh- or are they one of the ones where it's just family? Yeah, I think that's it's, another thing that's going to level the playing
3: field. Well, Sean Payton tried to like get a bubble going for 50,000 <laughs> yeah. people, some some crazy stuff like that. <laughs> On Saints-Bucks, um, here's how I see it. So that stat about beating a team three times in one year is true in the sense that most of the time they'll split and then there's the rubber match. Uh, but it was dungey or bill cower or somebody and i looked it up too that when you've already beaten a team twice um more than half the time they end up it's the other, the team that's already won twice ends up winning in the playoffs so that stat is is palpable uh but it's not uh, you know all encompassing um with all that said i'm still picking the bucks i think this game will be a little bit more uh in the favor of the Buccaneers on the scoreboard than most people think. I, I just, I trust Brady. I'll go figure. I trust Brady in these moments because he's shown it to me so many times. He's got weapons out the wazoo and I like the personnel on the Bucs defense. I know SAP talked about how they don't always gel, um, but I'll take the Bucs in this one by about 10. All right. Well, that's all we got for tonight. I want to run down in the next six weeks or so. We're hoping to have Everson Griffin, who we talked about uh, Dalvin mm-hmm. cook um, is on our agenda. Uh, We're hoping to get him. Nate Burleson was supposed to join us about three weeks ago, and then he had a scheduling conflict. And then uh, this one will be breaking for most of you guys. Uh, Brian McKinney, indeed, is buddies with Randy Moss. So we're going to try to get him on within the next – six weeks or so i'm hoping maybe super bowl time uh but we will uh check with mckinney on on randy's schedule so i appreciate appreciate everybody listening tonight and tanishka thank you for coming on i hope you'll be a regular guest Uh, you you enjoyed your your input well thank you oh and that's all we got for tonight so skull vikings